Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at antiochraleigh.com. conversational um, instead of preaching teaching um, so we we love family we love just life group and small settings and just talking with family so we want today to be where just hey this is family talk right and so um, yeah I'm Brad Elizabeth and uh, we have three sons if they could stand up Stand up. (laughs) Joby's 19, Joel's 16, and Levi is turning 14 next week. So we're we're in the we're in the final stretch with one. We're we're in the middle with one, and then we're um, yeah, just the start of one. To be continued. So today, today we've been kind of asked to talk about raising adolescents, teenagers, but it'll kind of flow into kids, raising kids too, and then also just discipling, you know, just uh, that's really what parenting is, is discipling um, and teaching them um, um, the ways of the Lord. So yeah, so we've been at Antioch nine years. We... We were, we were the second family. This is, this is when it was all college students, and I think it was Reed and Holly, and maybe one other family, and then us, and that was it. And so um, we, this was about, yeah, nine and a half years ago, 10 years ago, I was really learning to hear the voice of the Lord. I was hungering for it. I just, I I wanted just to sit in silence and hear what the Lord's saying. It, it was such a strong desire starting about 10 years ago, and it, it just hasn't left. It's just more and more. And so anyway, I was really hearing the Lord say that uh, we were really sensing just a, a radical family, uh, a radical, uh, just everything, our lives following Jesus. But I really heard the Lord say, you need a community. You need a, a tribe that's you're going to decide to run with and stay in community with transparency and just everything and run with. And so um, I, was looking, I was looking on the web one day and uh, I came across Antioch's website and I heard from the Lord. I said, the Lord said, this is it. This is it. Go. And so I went by myself to visit and, uh, on the Sunday and uh, I come down to where they're meeting and it doesn't look any, like anybody's there. So I'm knocking on the door. This was down by NC State. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to go home and tell my wife and kids that I didn't hear from the Lord. I thought I did. <laughs> this, this was in July of whatever year that was, 2013. Or, yeah. um, and so... And so I went home, I told him, I was like, I guess I missed the Lord. I was confident that I heard from the Lord. I mean, literally confident. I said, you know, you see in part, you know in part, I, I don't know. And so anyway, September rolls around, and, 
And somebody came up to me and said, hey, did you hear about that church in, called Antioch? I said, yeah. And, and he goes, well, they just started meeting at East Cary Middle School. And I was like, I thought they met down by NC State. And, and they're, no, the East Cary Middle School. And I was like, okay, this, this is from the Lord. And so, long story short, I, the Lord so knew that if they were meeting downtown, I mean, NC State, and it was a college church, that we wouldn't stay. Just, this is a college church. This isn't for us. We're looking for a family church. And so God had that two months that where he just he worked it out and knew that we would stay and, uh, and then released, you know, the word. So, yeah. Yeah, so we have a picture, if you want to pull it up. This is about six months before we rolled in. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us. We were so, like, young and, like, had no idea what was going to hit. <laughs> Yeah, it was really sweet. Um, but <laughs> well, the children, they look a lot different. <laughs> and that's why we're here today. We made it. <laughs> um, before we get started, we have some books that we want to give away that really helped our process, encouraged us, gave us vision, gave us the tools that we felt like that we were hungering for um, in order to make decisions for ourselves as a family. So... We got a lot, and we're going to yeah. move quick. All right. So this first one's uh, called Equipped to Love. This, if you want it, come grab it. Yeah, come grab it. Anybody? Marriage, this, family. This book changed my life, for real. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Derek Prince. Man. Awesome husbands man of God. This is Husbands and Fathers. So this needs to be a husband or a father. <laughs> awesome. This is The Age of Opportunity, um, really good book. It's The Trip Brothers. It's, uh, it's particularly due to raising teenagers. Yeah, this is more of a teen book, transitioning teens. <laughs> this is uh, How to Really Love Your Teen. So another, somebody that may be getting ready to go through the teen ages. We have two of them. Go. <laughs> Yeah, two of them. Come get it. I, I, I actually read this book not too long ago, and it's awesome. This is by uh, Danny Silk, um, Loving Your Kids on Purpose. This is an awesome book. <laughs> so this was my first book I read. Um, when Joby was like three years old and I was just starting to go after Jesus. I had been delivered from a lot and I'm like, man, what's God want? He, he wants me to be a shepherd and be a priest of my home and to uh, tend my child's heart, shepherd my child's heart. So this book was crucial. We got to yeah. end up right here. Just a gentle toss. <laughs> go ahead. Shepherding a child's heart. Yeah. And then how to really love your child. This is very similar to how to really love your teen. Um, the focus is just more on prior to the teen years, but all the same tools. So this, if you don't have teens, yeah, this would be great for you guys. Um, parenting with love and logic. Oh. <laughs> I'll just put this right here.
So, so TJ and I lead life group together, and uh, he always makes fun of me because I, I do handouts in life group all the time. I print papers and do handouts. And so, so I'm, sure I'm not doing handouts today, just books. Those I'm sure are the this handouts. is available on Kindle. You can use it, your phone for it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were both raised in Christian homes. We were churched. I went to Christian school. But something that we experienced was just a lack of learning how to stay connected with the Father, to have healthy relationships with our parents and with our community through the teen years into adulthood. And so we were really hungry and desiring to find, like, it just felt like there has to be a better way. Most of our friends fell away from the Lord during those seasons. Um, it just was the norm to not continue to follow the Lord once you hit your teen years and especially into college. And so us not having that model or to even understand like what discipleship and healthy community looks like, we were really crying out to the Lord for that because we wanted to raise our kids in a way that was more pleasing to the Lord than what we did, than what we had as an opportunity for us. And so we really believed that the Lord was directing us to Antioch. And that was one of the things that Brad had shared was he's like, I really feel like there's something about this church that's at the very least really important for Job, um, but probably our whole family. And we were 19 when we met. We both lived at home, got married at 22. We did not live on campus. We didn't do the whole college thing. And that was partly why I felt very insecure about knowing how to connect with college students because I just didn't have that experience. But... God bringing us to Antioch, the community has been amazing. It truly has been such an incredible incubator for healthy family for us, and we are so grateful. And I actually wanted to take a minute. This past year has been very, very difficult for us. We have been in a very busy season, Brad and I both, and I just wanted to take a moment and publicly acknowledge Mark, if you could stand up. And David Klingler, where are you at? <laughs> these, these guys have filled in so many gaps in our family this past year that we would have never been able to sustain ourselves. David has faithfully been picking up Joel every week, calling him almost every day. Michael is out on the roof with the kids almost every night at 1 a.m. Worshiping God Worshiping Jesus, roof. sharing <laughs> stories. I mean, I'm just telling you, like, we are not here talking about this because we've got it all figured out. We've actually had a very challenging year where we have just been absent in a lot of ways. But God is so faithful to bring in people to reach your children and those around you where you just are in a hard season. So we just want to be transparent about that. Like, this has actually been an incredible opportunity to revisit this stuff because it reminds us of, of what was on our hearts so many years ago and God's faithfulness in our challenging stages to bring in people around you and your community to help support that. And so we just want to thank you both. And there are more. We could probably go on and point fingers at everybody who's contributed to the well-being and the relationship that our kids have with Jesus, but we only have 24 minutes left, so. <laughs> so yeah, we just, we just wanted to say what if. What if, instead of having this expectation over the teen years of dread, just getting through it, 
oh, this is just how it's going to have to be, um, not having good examples. What if, what if we changed our perspective? What if we shifted our perspective? I really believe that the teen years is such an amazing opportunity, a gift from the Lord to completely revolutionize our relationships with the Father, but also like Jesse and Daniel last week, she had a word picture about your kids kind of being moons revolving around you, but you're wanting to ultimately launch them into orbit around the Son, around the Father. That is this season. This is why we've read the Bible stories every night. This is why we've been really careful about choosing the right curricular act, extracurricular activities, the right school, the right church, singing those repetitive, annoying songs in the car day in and day out for, for months and even years at a time. All of these things that we were doing is actually led up to position us to launch them into orbit, to let go. And honestly, it is equally uncomfortable for all of us. There's a huge invitation in this season, and that is something that we just chose to hold on to. We chose to refuse agreement with any other thought process. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to assume the position. I'm not going to listen to what anybody else has said out of their poor experiences. I'm going to believe God for more because God is a generational God, and he wants to continue to expand and bless every generation. In Psalm 126, I want to read this. I got this in prayer this morning. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord. Like streams in the Negev, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I really believe that that is what the Lord has for us. And so making that decision, we're going to talk about some practical things, we're going to talk about some worthy goals, but making that decision, like, my my focus and my fervor and my obedience to faithfully doing what the Lord has called me to do in this season and laying anything down that I need to lay down on the, on the altar of that is not hinging on whether or not my kids struggle, whether or not it doesn't go so well for a while. I'm still committed to that and I'm trusting and believing God for more. And I'm completely rejecting culture. I'm completely rejecting anything that I ever thought I knew. And I'm going to let the Lord heal my heart from my own faulty upbringing, from my own lack. And I'm going to pursue him. And that's what we want to share with you guys today. That's what we want to invite you all into today. And, yeah, we just are expecting fresh hope to be supplanted in your life. That there's a fresh hope for more. You want to go over the goals? All right, so we have four goals that we felt like when we were reflecting on our process, what were some four worthy goals? Understanding true love, discovering true identity, preserving and expanding our intimacy with each other as a family, and encouraging an intimate relationship with Jesus. So Brad's going to talk a little bit about yeah. all of those. So the first one, understanding true love. I mean, how big of a, an assault on love today? I mean, I love my car. I love 
this. I love that. Love has been so watered down, it's like no one knows what that is. I mean, it, it's everywhere. Politics, everything. Love is love. You know, you, you hear so many things about what love is. And I think it's been a lost thing when you're raising your kids and your teenagers of really making sure they know the difference between the world's kind of love or this culture's kind of love but, and God's kind of love, heaven's kind of love. The, the currency of heaven is love. And I want to read this. Um, this is John 14, 23. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And then the next scripture is 1 John 4, 7 through 13. 1 John 4, 7 through 13. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Any, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. So the definition of love is Jesus. I, I, substitute love for Jesus. That's it. Jesus is love. Love has a name, and the name is Jesus. And so anything else is a false definition of love. And, and we as parents, we have to communicate that daily. We have to show that daily. We, we really have to get that ourselves. And I think a big part of parenting, and the most important part is, I think Elizabeth alluded to it, is if, we, if we're whole, if we love Jesus, if we know what love truly is, if it's deep in our heart and our first love is Jesus and, and everything else is secondary, that, that is just going to go to our kids. So the most important we can, thing we can do as parents is first and foremost, keep Jesus your first love. Nothing else. Your kids, not your kids, not your work, not your your dreams, not anything. Jesus is your first love, the one you love most, the one that you're committed to in, in every way, shape, or form. And, and that way, you can really get that to your kids. And, um, and it, just, it just becomes an overflow of your heart. You know, it's so much easier. And so, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not used to being up here. <laughs> so if, you know, Elizabeth and I have really, like, wanted to concentrate on parenting out of overflow. Parenting does not happen any other way. No, no other way. That's why you saw Jesus. What did he always do? 
and you saw in the scriptures. He always went and went away, and all through the night, early in the morning, he woke up and went to the mountaintop to spend time with the Father. He was constantly going to the secret place and being with his Father because he, he knew he could do nothing without the Father. And Jesus' life on here, here on earth, as he came to be a man, was out of the overflow of the relationship with his Father, with God. And, and so, um, yeah. All right, so number two, discovering true identity. Um, Stephen Brenda touched on this verse a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to read it again. It's uh, Deuteronomy 11, 8 through 24. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways, and holding fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours." awesome. What I love about that scripture is that part about dispossessing nations even greater. God being a generational God, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, believing God for more, that we're not going to go backwards. We're going to move forward. And that's what God wants, and that's what he calls us to. And if we exercise the disciplines that the Lord has outlined in his word, he's responsible for fulfilling it. We're responsible for the obedience and he says that nations greater and mightier than us will be, be dispossessed through our children, through each and every successive generation. I just love that. I thought that was so powerful. I think one of the most important things, you know, that parents do is establish identity. You know, God made it to where that he purposed that parents, fathers and mothers, establish identity. Um, and, uh, and so we do that with intentionally by what we do and unintentionally by what we don't do, right? I think more, a lot of times it's more of intentionally about what we don't do. Um, and, uh, I wanted to kind of describe identity. I, I think identity has everything to do first and foremost with power. And let me explain that. So... To whom do you look to, to make you happy, make you successful, and make you powerful? You know, that, that's, that's identity. Whoever you look to most to make you happy, make you successful, make you powerful, that's the thing or the person that's going to establish your identity. It's automatic. That's how God set it up. And so, whoever offers your children or you the most hope has your heart. And whoever has your heart, you're giving them the power 
to influence you, to, to conform you, to make you who you are. And so I love that verse. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence things have not yet seen. How do you get faith in that scripture? What you hope for. What, you're, what are you putting your hope in? What are your kids putting their hope in? Are, there, are you, by what you don't do, or by what you do, are you portraying to them that to, for them to put their most hope in good grades? Uh, going to a good college? Um, being a great athlete? Um, having a, a good girlfriend or boyfriend? I mean, go down the list. We, we as parents, um, not intentionally, um, but unintentionally, and that's the thing, that's what I'm trying to get at, is we have to make sure we're not doing that unintentionally, that we are creating in their hearts a greater hope for the things that the world puts their hope in. We, we are constantly need to make sure that in every circumstance, in every situation, everything that they're doing, that we are making sure that their hope is not in that, that their hope is only in Jesus, only in Jesus in every way, shape, and form. So the second thing identity does it, um, has to do with is connection. You know, whoever, whoever you're most connected to, that's why you see in the teen years, you know, you don't really have cliques in elementary school, do you? You don't really have like, well, boys and girls, you know, opposite ends of the, of the room, you know. But, but when does cliques start happening? I'm a I'm an athlete. I'm a, I'm a punk. I'm a, I'm a hippie. I'm a what? That starts happening in the teenage years. It starts happening when you're in middle school. Because when you are a teenager, just like hormones, I, I compare it to hormones. <laughs> Your hormones are raging in the teen years. You're going through puberty. Your identity meter. Your identity meter is the most crazy it ever is in your life during that time. And so it is so crucial to establish the right identity during those teen years because just like puberty, it is raging. It, it is raging and, and going crazy. And so you need to make sure that their deepest connection and who they want to connect to is not to be an, I'm an athlete, I'm a punk, I'm a valedictorian, I'm this, I'm that, and get in those cliques because that's who they're going to become like. That, that's who they're trying to connect to and identify with, and that's who they're going to come like. And so, But you want to establish their connection not in their friend group, not in anything else but Jesus. Mm-hmm. So establishing their connection to Jesus. And lastly is that's, that's who they're going to imitate. They're going to imitate who they identify most with. That's who they're going to become like and, and identify with and everything. I, I remember I, was, I wanted to identify as an athlete. So I got a friend group. That friend group played soccer and were awesome soccer players. So what did I do? I became a soccer player. I, I, I'm embarrassed to say that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway. All right, so number three, preserving and expanding our intimacy with each other. So one of the um, practical things that we learned is a wise parent is going to set their clock to teen time. All of a sudden, it's 11 p.m., and 
one of our sons is in the mood to come in and just lay down on the bed and what's going on? And you know, there's something to talk about. Those are those deep connecting times that if you require them to do it when you want them to do it, it's not going to happen. And so intimacy with one another can be deepened and heightened in that season if we really do let go of the sense that I've arrived, you know, I'm entitled to go to bed. I've already spent several years up with you all night, you know, feeding you and doing this or whatever. I shouldn't have to do this anymore, you know. So in, in this season, there can be some, some unseen idols come out, like control. I want to be in charge. Appreciation and respect. I deserve to be respected. I've already sown so many years into you guys. Um, you know, there's just, you don't want, you, we can really step into an entitlement phase as parents in this season. Um, and we can lose the intimacy and the relationship with our kids because, you know, it's like we've taught you everything. You know all of this. Now I can just enforce it and command it. And, and it doesn't really work out very well like that. Um, there's this quote. I can't even remember where I heard it, but it struck me, and I've held on to it for years. Whatever we take by force has to be maintained by force. But anything that we secure through honor is protected with favor. And so this is a really important season of taking the time to be inconvenienced, to have conversations at times that are going to interrupt your schedule, your sleep schedule, your work schedule, so that you can have like real heart fixes and not just situational fixes, and you can deepen your connection. Your kids just really need that during, during that time. Um, the fourth one, encouraging an intimate relationship with Jesus. We're running a little short on time, so okay. I don't know. Um, I want to share um, a personal story. Um, one of the many reasons where, that God had in store for us coming to Antioch was Brian and I were introduced to dealing with our past and getting healing and deliverance from things that were tripping us up. Um, I, in particular, had a severe problem with perfectionism and performance. And fortunately, God directed us to a couple of mentors here in the church that we ended up going through a full, thorough healing and deliverance ministry, and that was something that the Lord delivered me from. But by that point, as you can see from that picture, Joby was like 12, and so... There were some, and then Levi, you know, would have been 10. You know, the kids were older. There were ways that I had parented and I had structured relationships based upon that false identity. And so I had to go to the kids, especially the ones who were really attracted to performance and perfectionism, and I had to share that story with them and say, hey, listen, you know, I actually encouraged wrong things in you that really weren't healthy, and you're drawing life and identity from those things, and I want to invite you into this. So that is a powerful way that you can encourage a relationship with Jesus is by sharing your relationship with Jesus with them mm -hmm. and learning and growing and getting free with them. And there's so much honor and favor that emerges. You're not losing power. You're not looking weak. There's so much respect that comes from that. And I think one of the greatest gifts that we have as a family is that we really can 
consider our family a safe place to talk about anything that we're struggling with, and that goes for Brad and I too. We don't have to hide our past. We don't have to hide our stories. And it's just creates safety for them to know what that looks like, how to be fully open and live a, walk out the gift of repentance um, with the Father and with community, with others. We can, we can uh, count countless times where our kids were, are struggling with something or another and, uh, and sharing, and okay, this is the time to share this testimony mm-hmm. in our lives. This is the time to share this. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and not loving ourself to death, but loving Jesus, mm-hmm. loving everything in Jesus. And so testimonies are so powerful, you know, especially girl to girl, you know, if daughters to mom and, and, and fathers to sons, it, it's so crucial. I can remember one of my sons was struggling with some failures and some different kinds of sins in their life, which normally happen around this age or a tendency to happen. And I was like, this was in the garage when I was working out. I was like, oh, I want to finish working out. But now's the time. That's what she was talking about. It's like, you, now's the time. Now's the time to share this about how I used to put my hope in this. I used to think my identity was this. I used to struggle with this and struggle with that, just like you are right now. But God, but God delivered me from it because I put my hope in him and my, and my first love in him. Mm-hmm. All right, so just to recap, worthy goals, understanding true identity, discovering, I'm sorry, understanding true love, discovering true identity, preserving and expanding our intimacy with each other, and encouraging an intimate relationship with Jesus. So those are really great goals. We are going to give you 10 practical disciplines to help fulfill those goals, all right? Number one, make your home and family environment attractive to your kids and their friends. Support and invest yourself in what interests them and the things that they're currently connecting with. Like coloring their hair. Even when it seems to change every week. Pink, purple, green, black, that was a good example. Thank you. Doesn't he look so cute, though? He really does. It looks well on him. Number two, make eye contact, pursue physical touch, exercise focused attention, and listen for long, 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 long periods of time while they just express themselves. Jesus does that with us. We can and, talk to him as long as we want to, and he doesn't, he doesn't get uninterested, and, and that, so we need to do that with and, our kids. That is so crucial in tending your heart. That's what we call it. But tending your heart is just you're looking for those things that they need to repent of and believe. If you let them talk, they'll, they'll share all these things, and a lot of them will be lies and deceiving things and just things that they have gotten from wherever and whenever and have, have kind of, are getting ready to adopt. And what do you as parents, if you just listen to the whole thing, then you can attack every lie, dismantle every lie, and you can bring the truth in. And, and that's when that truth, those lies get dismantled, and the truth gets implanted in their hearts. Yeah, the, the heart fixes and not situational fixes. All right, number three, 
Pick one or two things to address in any given scenario. Don't overwhelm your youth with constructive criticism. So the Lord doesn't just unfold everything in our heart. You know, we have to, like, work on a few things at a time. And it can be really easy to walk into a situation and they didn't load the dishwasher. They didn't take out the trash. They didn't do their homework. They didn't take a shower. They didn't do this. They did da 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 And then you can just see just pounding them down. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. But being careful to not overwhelm them with too many things at once. They're overwhelmed. There's a fog going on. There's a lot of, like Brad said, all of these hormonal things happening. And it's, life is all of a sudden incredibly complicated. And they just don't have a capacity to get criticized, even though it sounds constructive, it doesn't feel that way. And we wouldn't want that either, would we? So, um, number four, help them navigate right and wrong versus wisdom issues. This one's really big because this also requires us to take a step back and ask ourselves, if Levi wants pink hair and I do not think that that's a good idea, I could very easily make that a right and wrong issue and communicate that, and it's not. It's just a wisdom issue. Like, will that be good for this? Yeah, it would probably be good it's for summer. You might not want to have it for school. I don't know if they allow it. You know, you just discuss these things and help them navigate wisdom issues. And so, I'm picking on Levi a lot. <laughs> but giving, giving them the freedom to navigate those things and helping them discern, like, is this, is this a matter of right and wrong, or is this a matter of personal preference? And, and this is helping them learn how to seek wisdom and counsel, and ultimately, you know, do what they feel like that is the wisest choice. Um, number five? Or, or, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. And take that opportunity to teach them to hear from the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's the perfect opportunity in those cases. Wisdom <laughs> issues is to hear from the Lord. Should I wait till I date until I'm 18, or should I date before I'm 18? Should I this or, well, let's, let's see what the Lord has to say for your life, yeah. not your brother's life, yeah, that's not funny. somebody else's life, not culture's life, not anything. What's the Lord have to say? You can hear his voice. You know his voice. You can hear his voice just like I can hear his voice. Mm -hmm. So let, let's take time, wait on the Lord and hear what he has to say about that. Yeah, that was good. Honor your private conversations and cover them well as they're going through transitions and situations and be sensitive to their ever-changing sensitivities. I can't tell you how many times all of a sudden I had posted a picture on Instagram and they were upset with me because I didn't ask them first. You know, just becoming, developing an awareness of being sensitive and respectful and honoring of conversations and of the things that really matter to them. Um, yeah, just being very flexible with that because that changes a lot. Number six, regularly ask them how you can love them and honor them better. Listen to their feedback and apply it. We are still working on that. There are times, Levi <laughs> shakes his head. He reminded me the other day about something he asked me to do and I didn't do it. And I had to repent and apologize. So um, that's really, it, that's a relationship builder right there. It really helps a lot for you to initiate those conversations because it's not just about them meeting our mark. You know, we love them, and we want to meet their mark, too, and, and be, um, yeah. yeah. Con constantly, how do I need to repent to my kids? How do I need to ask for forgiveness? I, I, like, so many parents, I can see in this, my own life, or my own parent, 
parent, and just in general, it's like, there's no, like, asking for forgiveness. It's like we think we have, well, we're the parents, so we're, we're in charge or we're always right. No, that's not the case. I can remember, like, we started doing a father's weekend, taking my boys out to somewhere for the weekend, and we started it three days ago, and I remember on the first trip, I said, I felt this from the Lord. I heard the Lord. He said, you need to ask for forgiveness to your boys for not doing this sooner, for not having this connect time sooner in a way. And so me hearing from the Lord, I'm not going to question it. Well, I've been a good dad. What, I mean, I've done you know, good things or whatever. But the Lord just said, you need to ask for forgiveness. And that just opens up their heart to, to Jesus in so many ways that if you don't do that, it, it's not. All right, we are really running out of time. Sorry. Um, no, it's not your fault. <laughs> All right, so scheduling one-on-one time, especially if you have multiple children, um, that really helps, like, remove the distractions and, and just speaks value and intentionality. We found that to be very helpful. Um, and then number eight, being open to constructive feedback. You know, your kids are going to want to retreat if you get heated and you're not receptive to their constructive feedback. And if we're not in unity and we're not open and submitted to one another, then we're not going to be fighting the right fight. And so just a good picture is to imagine yourself and your child on one side and whatever the issue is on the other. We're not fighting each other. We're working together to deal with this issue. Um, So I think that would be a good picture. We're not playing tug of war with our children. We are working, fighting, loving with them um, against whatever it is that is loving itself against our children. Number nine, this is like huge for us, a family discussion culture, building a family discussion culture where everyone has detail appropriate access to the affairs of each member. They may contribute to the resolution of issues, hear correction for everyone, learn from each other's experiences, and practice offering their perspective on matters. This is so important. I mean, so many times our kids have come in with a solution or a piece of wisdom to an issue that they'd never navigated before, and it would not have happened if we had not been having those discussions. It's just powerful. What this adds to, I'm sorry, it, it adds to where your oldest will disciple the next. And then the next will disciple the next. And you'll be like, man, I got help. It, 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 it's, that's what that does. It's like, man, I don't really have to, I mean, disciple as much Joel because Joby's discipling Joel. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I'm, you know, you're teaching them yeah. that. All right, so last one. Nurture the disciplines of family worship, prayer, Bible study, and meal times. These are mission critical outlets for that. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it and you don't know what you're doing, do it anyway. The Lord will teach you. He taught us so much by just doing what we knew. And he poured his grace and his power and his wisdom and his revelation on it. We learn by doing, not having someone else do it for us. So um, was this helpful? I know it was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) If if, a worship team could come up. Yeah, and... um, Elders and life group leaders, if you guys want to come down to the front. If you, if you need prayer because 
you know, this is like just bringing up a lot of stuff from your past or you're feeling, you know, just temptation to feel condemned. Condemnation is not from the Lord. Conviction is. And the Lord wants to give you whatever it is that you're feeling like that you need. And this, everything we're talking about here, it's not just for natural parents. I guarantee you, every one of you, you know a teen. You know someone that's in transition. We're called to be spiritual mothers and fathers, and we can put these things into practice in every relationship in our life. It translates. It's not just for the adolescents. It's, it's for all of our relationships, and it's powerful and it's effective. And so if, if you want to get prayer this morning and just seek God, just come down to the front, however you want to do that. Um, we would be happy to pray for you, whatever that the Lord has shown us. We would love to lay hands on you and pray for you and ask God for more with you. Um, we're just so thankful. And, that, and one thing I, I really felt like I heard from the Lord just specifically for today is that there's, there's a loss of hope. You know, Proverbs, it says, hope deferred makes a heart sick. And so I, I really feel like there's, there's some hopelessness, um, and, and it has to do with, well, um, my, my first hope in my heart is um, that my kids are serving the Lord, and they're not serving the Lord. My greatest hope is that I have a good marriage, and I don't have a good marriage. And I, I think it's just repositioning your, your hope, your first hope, first hope place, those are, nothing's wrong with that. Like, we, that's a good thing. Y'all hope to have a good marriage, hope to have kids serving the Lord, and hope um, this and that, all those good things. Um, but it, your hope has to be totally in the Lord, first place. Just like your first love has to be for Jesus. If, if, if your love is more for anyone else or anything else, it doesn't work. And so I just really felt, felt like that this morning. Um, if you want to reposition your hope first in Jesus, in your relationship with Jesus, I love, I just want this one more thing. I love Genesis 15. Abraham. Abraham had the Agar thing. He was, he, God came to him and said, Abraham, I'm your exceedingly great reward. And he goes, but you promised me a son. His hope, his hope, first hope was in having a son instead of all I want is you. My only hope is, is you and my relationship with you, my love for you, everything for you. Nothing wrong with that promise. God gave him that promise, but his hope was positioned wrong in, in that way. And then God finally gave him Isaac, right? When he when he did fully put his hope in God. And what was Abraham able to do because of that? He was able to sacrifice the greatest promise and what he used to put his full hope in, which was Isaac. And he knew it didn't matter. He's gonna do what God said he's gonna do and, and, and nothing else matters. And that's why he was able to do it. So I really, if you've lost some kind of hopelessness, hopelessness in any way, shape or form, please come get prayer for that as well. Yeah, so life group leaders, prayer team, elders, come on up, and uh, yeah. Lord, I just uh, come to you right now.
And I thank you that you created us to have you as our only hope, our only one that we desperately need. You created us in your image, in your likeness, because we're supposed to be desire most to just be like you in every way, shape, and form, Lord God. And, and I just thank you for that. We were created to have you as our power source, our connection, our everything, Lord God. And I just, I just pray this morning that anything that's off in any of our hearts, any way, off in our hope, off in our faith, off in our love, off in any way, um, at all, Lord, I just pray that today that you change that, that you change that right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, we just, we just thank you. Dismantle every bit of shame, every bit of fear. Thank you that perfect love cast out fear. Thank you that your perfect love cast out fear. Lord God, that we can have no fear and we're able to just love you and follow you to receive your love, receive the faith that comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you and praise you.